Coming up on the Branding Deep Dive podcast. You know, if you see, for example, grass-fed, you know that the animal's been out on pasture. That's a great thing. Um, if you see grass-finished, that means that it was eating grains and then they put it on pasture for a little bit and then they they then they they put it in the slaughterhouse. And I forgot exactly what the time period is, but I think it's like a little over a month or 45 days or something like right. that. Um, but the, the interesting thing is that that just makes it more marketable. Grass-finished. This is Ahmed Chima, and welcome to the Branding Deep Dive podcast. If you're new here, this is a podcast where we have in-depth discussions about what brands are doing well to drive customer loyalty and how you can take those principles and apply them to your own brand. Today, we're talking to Ali Ahmed and Muhammad Tariq. Ali and Muhammad recently started a farm and meat processing services company called Pure Natural Halal. For years, they visited local farms to perform the Udhiyah, which is the ritual Islamic animal sacrifice, and they found themselves dissatisfied and disheartened at the lack of quality services being provided. Because of that, they decided they were going to do something about it. Their mission is to bring the prophetic standard of excellence back into the Udhiyah process and back into farming in general. Last year, they started off by sacrificing 40 Udhiyah animals on Eid. This year, they're slated to do anywhere from 150 to 200 animals. In this episode, we dive deep into how they got started, what the Udhiyah process actually is, how they're approaching running their business and marketing, and much, much more. If you've ever had to spend all day at a farm to wait to do your Udhiyah, this episode is a must listen. Now, here are Ali and Muhammad. For the people that may not be Muslim, not familiar with the Odhiyah process, can you give them a little bit of a... Sure. So, so um, basically, this is, you know, we believe in all the prophets as, you know, Christians and Jews do. And so um, we believe in Abraham, <clears throat> or as we call him, Prophet Abraham, peace be upon him. And, uh, um, you know, we believe in in the sacrifice that he made, you know, he did to slaughter his son. Um, we do have a discrepancy, some of us, between which son it was. But regardless, it was the the... The devotion and the um, the the willingness to to uh, you know please please God is uh, uh, really that that whole process that we're commemorating where where he where he sacrifices his son. So um, you know what we do every year is that we find an animal um, and usually it'll be like a, a either a sheep or or a goat or or a cow or it could even be a camel and we slaughter it and we do that in in commemoration of this sacrifice that Abraham had made. So uh, for us, it's like a, it's a very, it's a, it's a, it should be a very spiritual thing. And I think because of like the modern day sort of like, you know, you go to the grocery store, that's where the meat comes from. You know, mm -hmm. it grows out, grows out of the grocery store. <laughs> you know, people don't really realize that, that there's a whole process in, in raising an animal and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, the real, the real sacrifice is actually being able to raise the animal and form a connection with it. That's the sacrifice. Mm. And, and uh, some of the ulama of the past, they would literally take their animal with them every single day, wherever they would go. Mm. To the extent that <clears throat> the day that they would slaughter it, they would actually cry because they knew that this was a life that they had sacrificed and that, that you know, like this was for the sake of Allah. Mm -hmm. And it's sacred. Life is sacred. So, um, you know, that's that kind of sacrifice that that's that's real. Right. In this day and age, it's like you go to the, you go to the farm. I want that one. That one looks <laughs> maybe it'll taste good. Maybe it won't taste good. Who knows? You know, and then you do your your here and you leave. But uh, um, there's a whole there's a whole spiritual side to it that I think we're missing. And so, um, 
you know, this is kind of like the real, the real sacrifice, you know? So, um, but yeah, the, you know, for, for, for just like the Islamic standpoint where it came from, you know, we're just commemorating that, that, uh, that sacrifice that Abraham made. And, and now we're also doing that in, in commemoration of that. Yeah. yeah you mentioned, uh, you know, you guys have been doing this process in the community uh, at these farms for years and you had a, a lot of problems. Can we get into some of those problems that you guys are seeing? Or? Yeah, let's kind of pull it back, actually. Um, I want to tell you guys, basically, how me and Ali started together, right? Yeah. So, like Ali said, Ali had learned this from his father, too. Mashallah, uh-huh. um, he'd been doing it for a while. And I had been doing it the similar way, too, with my father. And I'd learned it from him. And, um, you know, they had set up a whole kind of like a small business. And it had been running for a couple of years. Um, the problem that I saw was it was so hectic. The animals were, you know, closed off in small spaces when they were organized. Um, people did not know how to slaughter. And this is one thing me and Ali, you know, kind of, you know, hammered down on that if you're able to take a life and you're doing the sacrifice, you know, this qurbani uh, for Allah's sake at this point, you don't want to have the animal go through a lot of pain and you want to do it the proper way, right? You want halal, tayyib meat to come out of that too. So I had been doing it for a while under my father. My father eventually stopped the operation. So for a couple of years, I did it by myself. But then one of the years, Ali reached out to me. He's like, hey, you know, I usually go by myself and I do a lot for family members. They'll just tell me, I'll go do it myself. I know you do the same thing. Why don't we just go together? Hmm. So subhanAllah, like we started out one of the years, me and him went the next year, we took about 10 to 15 Unity guys with us. Um, and then after that, we just started taking people every year. And every year, we'd sit there and we'd see other people on the side doing their operations. Because there was one location we'd go to, right? And other people would come there too. And we'd be like, man, they're doing it the wrong way. Ah, man, that, that animal's suffering. Man, like, that's not right. What can we do? And man, not a lot of people know what this is. is. You know, you tell a lot of people, Udhiya Qurbani, ah, no, you know, we just send money back home. No, you have an opportunity to do it here. You should practice the sunnah. So we we started talking a little bit. And um, while we were talking, Ali, you know, started taking notes and started forming a whole business plan. Hmm. And it wasn't actually a year after we had these conversations. Um, We sat down one day and he's like, dude, I have this whole business plan of how we can run it how it will be more efficient and you know how we'll get the best out of it inshallah and be very rewarding so the biggest thing was doing it a proper way so now you have so many more people that have the opportunity to come and uh, take part in Uthiyah and Qurbani so we ended up sitting down going through the business plan pages and pages and uh, subhanAllah man the story is crazy inshallah we'll tease it in a trailer but things just fell in into our way man Uh, alhamdulillah the way we acquired the property um, the way we acquire our contacts, uh, the way we were able to just get the word out. Um, it was like step by step, like Allah SWT just took care of us. It's crazy if we were to actually write down the things that happened for us in order for this operation to take place. So um, inshallah soon, I guess we'll, we'll talk about that. But that's just how we kind of started um, was we were doing it just for our family and friends. And we were like, what's a more efficient way to get everyone to come and participate in the sunnah? And at the same time, you know, have it be set up so efficiently that, first of all, on Eid, you're not spending your whole day at a farm. You should be spending with your family and friends who are coming from out of town. And second of all, you know, you're doing it the proper way. So you feel good when you do it the right way, right? Mm-hmm. If you are going to go ahead and slaughter the animal and saw at it, that's not going to be a good feeling even afterwards. You're right. going to you're going to you're going to know. So, um, 
Alhamdulillah, we have processes put into place that, you know, one swift cut, time efficient. You spend about 45 minutes at the location and, uh, you know, keep us in your thoughts. Inshallah, it goes well. But that's the overview. <clears throat> one thing I want to just touch on here, I think for the audience that's listening, one important lesson is that, like, you know, this process is actually like kind of a headache. Not not kind of, it's like really a headache. And so oh, yeah. when you can really solve a real problem for people, then you, you notice that like, you know, people will come to you and find you and you know they'll right. uh, they'll give you their business gladly. So really important point and that's kind of I think a lot of people, like myself included, when we're looking for business ideas and stuff like that, we're like, oh, what's like a cool thing to do? Right? But really what you gotta find is like what's the problem that people are facing that they, they really want to fix, right? And this is one of those right. things. So uh, one, one of the things that you guys brought up a couple of times that I'm really curious to hear is that, are there any funny stories of people doing things wrong? Oh, yeah, <laughs> man. I have cuts on my body. Yeah. From my, yeah, there's so um, many funny stories. Um, I mean, there, there's some pretty me- pretty messed up stories. Yeah. But, like, you know, I could tell you a couple, like, just off the top of my head. There was one time we went to a farm and um, there was a guy who shot, a, they were trying to kill a cow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this is one of the reasons why we don't slaughter cows yeah. just yet. Is because we don't have like a safe way of bringing it down without without stunning or injuring the cows, but uh, they were shooting this cow in the head, mm. and they shot this cow almost nine times in the oh head. Oh my goodness! They kept shooting it, kept shooting it. It's not funny, but it was like the the part that was like ironic was that like you know you're supposed to be doing a qurbani. This is like a sacrifice to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And here you are torturing this animal. Mm. And not only are you doing it, in, not only are you shooting it like nine times, there are other cows coming up to it and kind of like nudging it and like sniffing it and like kind of just like, you know, trying to keep it calm while it's going through this really painful process of getting shot in the head because they're doing it in, in a pen with four or five other cows in there. You know, they're shooting it while it's in the pen. They're shooting it while it's in the pen. Everything can see. Yeah, and it was just like you know, I was like, wow, this is like this is terrible. Finally, when it got dropped, then they go over and they they start cutting the neck. You know, Um, that's one story. Another story, you know, um, somebody was slaughtering a a goat. I was actually with Mufti Rabani, so somebody was slaughtering a goat, and I was holding it down for them, and um, the guy cut it, and I was like, you didn't, you need to cut more, and he was so adamant that he had done it right. That he's like, just let it go. It's good. And so I was like, all right, fine. I let it go. It got up and it started running. Yeah. And so, you know, my luck, this thing was like, you know, over like 150 pounds, like huge goat. And so all I could do was just grab the back of it. I couldn't even, I couldn't even like throw it on the ground to to finish slaughtering it. So I'm holding it and I'm trying to try and bring this animal down. And Mufti Rabani comes out of nowhere. Even that guy was just standing like, like shocked. Like what, what just happened? Mufti Rabani comes out of nowhere, just knocks this thing down and <laughs> slaughters it. Takes a knife. I'm like, I don't even know how he did it. Like one motion, he slaughter, <laughs> slaughters his goat and he finishes it. And I was like, I was shocked. I was like, where did Mufti Rabani come in this? <laughs> like, you know, where, where did that happen? You know? But yeah, like, you know, another time, um, you know, we saw like a, a, a Muslim guy asking a non-Muslim guy if he can slaughter his animal for him. You know? <laughs> and we're like, what, like, like, what is this? You know, um, it's just it's it's funny because like, you know, you're talking about business and stuff. And, um, you know, these non-Muslims have kind of just figured out that this is like a really big market for them, yeah. mm-hmm. which is cool. I mean, like, to be honest with you, it's not there's no problem that they're like supporting us and, and helping us in this way. But the fact of the matter is that they don't really respect us, some of them. Mm-hmm. Unless a lot of them don't really respect us, you know? And um, there's a real fam- famous place everybody goes to. It's called Brower's Farm. It's actually, a, it's, it started off as a pig processing plant. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so, and they still do that. That's like their specialty is hog processing. And I don't think a lot of people know that. But they got this big sticker right there that says, new sheriff in town. And it's Trump. Mm-hmm. It's a picture of Trump. And he's like, 
Why would you put that out of all the places you could have put it? You're gonna put it right there on your front, on your on the front of your building. Mm. Like, okay, forget your your political views or whatever. Why at a slaughterhouse up north where there's like, you know, only like you know white people? Would you put that there, right? Obviously, they're kind of trying to send like send a send signal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, or message. So, um, but yeah, you know, seeing a bunch of funny things, man. Mm. Like people just doing all sorts of weird things. Um, slaughtering animals in front of other animals, you know, mm. like, uh, and like, you know, I don't know, man. Part part of it is like, people get like a like, like a rush out of being like, oh yeah, like we oh, we went we did this big manly tough thing, like we took down this animal, and like, it's like, bro, that's not that's not even how the processing room like wanted this to to be, you know, mm. like uh, there was a man who had his foot on the throat of an animal, and he was upset about that, like, why are you why are you torturing this animal? Don't mm. do that, you know. So, uh, and, and, you know, he's, there's so many hadith, you know, make sure your, your, your knife is sharp. Don't show it to the animal, you know, be yeah. kind, make sure you f- give it water, all these things. And here, like, people would just like, kind of just turn it into this, like, sort of like a macho thing where you just, oh, you, you know, I took out the biggest animal I could, you know, blah, blah. I mean, it, it, there is a tradition around it. You know, you, all the men in the household go and they do it, but it should be like an act of worship. Right. Not, not right. some, not some like you know flex. <laughs> I mean, and when it goes back to being an act of worship, you know, you should perfect that act of worship. Mm. So in reality, to be honest, me and Ali don't have an issue doing an animal alone by ourselves over the years, right? Yeah. That's the proper way to do it at that point, right? The animal's not stressed. There's not four guys holding on to it. Mm. So even with us, the way we've set it up, alhamdulillah, is you have two people. That's it. That's all you need. One person holds the animal. The other person holds the head. And has a knife and it should be one swift cut. Mm. Um, going back to like funny stories, you know, over the years, I think me and Ali have both been injured um, because people don't understand that you're taking a life. What they will do is they will start out and just start like teasing, teasing the animal. They won't push, just push, tickling they won't push it, hard enough. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's that's one thing we want to get rid of mm. um, going into the future. We have a lot of um, things, inshallah, that will come out soon. Um, that will, you know, make it even much easier and, um, you know, efficient for the animal and the person who's doing it. But for now, I think people need to realize you're taking a life, you know, don't have an ego in this, right? right, right. A lot of people, this is another thing. A lot of people, when they come to, to us and buy animals with certain questions and want to deal, you know, as a merchant and all that, um, there's an ego. And I think that's one of the biggest things we want to get rid of in this market, right? Especially within our culture and our religion. We're not supposed to have an ego with these things, right? Trust your brother, you know, and learn what you need to to perfect your act of worship. Mm -hmm. And a good point, you know, that everyone should take away from this, even me and Ali, you know, over the years have taken away is that this is an act of worship, right? This is not a business transaction that you're taking place for your business to profit or for you to get the best deal there is. Right monetary wise right and i think everyone ends up nickel and diming each other or trying to haggle and bargain at such a price that the act of worship is forgotten and it's really in reality just the image of a big animal or a good animal that's going to get you good meat afterwards so um i think if people start changing the thinking process for odhia and qurbani um it would be very good going forward especially when dealing with farmers and different sources because Right now, to be 100% honest, the farmers, when they deal with the Muslims, it's a very bad image. Hmm. And the reason being is they spend their whole lives, all of their day, you know, raising this animal, feeding this animal, keeping in good conditions. And then you have a couple Muslims that drive by their farm 
see that they have these livestock, go up, try to nickel and dime them. And then when it comes to slaughtering the animals too, they do it in such a horrendous way that it just, it just turns them off to our religion. That's not our religion at the end of the day. We're supposed to be perfecting our worship, right? Not, not doing it in these types of transactions. So I think, um, one thing that everyone should realize, you know, especially with Qurbani Udhiya, forget the business transactions, you know, at the end of the day, perfect your act of worship. So if you're going to learn to take a life for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, learn when you come there drop your ego mm. we've been doing it for a while alhamdulillah we have professionals on stand we will teach you the proper way to do it and inshallah there's, there's your kurbani will count right there's a lot of pain in your voice <laughs> right? yeah it's <laughs> been over the years man like you know so many animals it's just from just from like a monetary standpoint you know right away you're already getting a deal mm. like even whatever price they're going to tell you because the price that you get per pound at the at the store if you're going to get a lamb or you're going to get beef or whatever you're going to get, it's going to be way more expensive. Right. Like, you're, it's probably going to be five times more expensive if, because anytime you cut the meat or you do more processing to it, it's going to be more expensive. Mm-hmm. So right away, you going directly to the farmer, he's going to give you a good deal. Like you're already getting the you're already getting a really good exactly. deal on that on that animal. Mm-hmm. You're probably getting half of whatever you know whatever whatever it is that you're gonna get. You're gonna get a much better deal just dealing with the farmer directly. So that's the first thing. So you're already getting a deal. There's no no worry there, right? And then the other thing is that you know they start hounding these guys like, yeah. oh give me this, give me this. You know one of the, one of the farmers we're talking to, he's like, uh, I was sitting at the auction and he's like, uh, I heard a group of farmers talking. And he's like, we don't really want to deal. They were they were discussing themselves. We don't really want to deal with the Muslims mm. because every time they show up, they start you know they start saying, oh, can you, can you bring the price down? And you also got to understand like the culture for us in our culture, we're it's normal to haggle, yeah, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But here it's not like that. You know, there isn't there isn't they don't really like. You know, you can haggle maybe like here and there, but like you know, if you start doing like fifty percent, twenty five percent of the price, like come on, who's gonna do that? You know, mm-hmm. they don't. That's not how they market themselves, right? They are already when they give you a price, they're already considering a fair price in their head. What's fair, right? So you have to be understanding of that, right? Like, uh, you can't just always be thinking, "Okay, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, cut these out." And you know, like another thing you also have to understand is that farmers are a dying breed. The average age of a farmer is 60 years old. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. So that tells you right away there's not a whole lot of new people coming in. It's not a really growing industry. And farmers are already like broke. Mm. So you're, you're really just haggling with broke people. So, the, you know, it makes no sense. Why would you do that? You would, if you know this person, it, and like, you know, we're talking about doctors and engineers coming in, like, right, you right. know, haggling with these people, right? It's like, come on, man. This guy has, has been out in the field slaving to to raise this animal you're gonna start nickel and diming him like come on it doesn't make sense right so you have to be a little fair with these people you can't just you know like maybe all right five ten dollars you're in there cool that's no problem right they'll they're probably gonna they'll be like yeah that's not an issue especially if you're buying more than one right because it's saving them time right so you know you have to be fair with them um i was talking to another farmer and he was telling me how he had this uh this calf that was like it was when it was born it was kind of sickly so he put a little money into it and, um, you know, he, he got it up to, to uh, a good price. But for him, he wanted to get rid of that animal he said. So he told this guy, this guy came to his farm and he's like, I'll sell it to you for $200. Mm-hmm. 
So the guy's like, ah, you know, I don't know, I don't know. Then he left. Then he came back a month later. I wanted a calf for $200. Like, well, I already butchered that one because, you know, it wasn't doing so good. And, you know, uh, weight-wise, it doesn't make sense for me to keep it. It was healthy. It just, mm-hmm. you know, usually if, if an animal starts off slow, it's it's kind of hard to, to, to raise it up. And you really don't want those genetics in your in your herd anyways. Mm-hmm. So he called it. So then the, the guy comes back and he just starts, like, hammering him. I want a $200 calf, you know, like, oh, you know, give me this one for this money, you know, like not realizing that, you know, even that $200 calf, you got to understand that that farmer put extra time and effort to get it into health so it's proper and, and healthy and, and like marketable that he can actually sell it or whatever. Right. So, you know, people come there and they're just already like, I want a deal, you know. Right. The thing is that the Qurbani is it's a it's a sacrifice, right? Okay, you're not going to spend the time to raise the animal. At least, you know, realize that, look, it's going to cost a little bit of money to, to, to sacrifice it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, these are some of the, the, the stories that we hear from the farmer side, especially in terms of our rep, reputation with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't realize there's a good market to work with the Muslims if they work with them. But they don't, they, like, literally, they, they, they were, the discussion that they had was, like, we'd much rather just sell our animals at the auction than, than to deal with the Muslims. Yeah. When they could, they could probably make way more money just, uh, you know, like you know directly marketing to muslims we can literally have an impression as muslims to create more jobs for these guys and opportunities and have such a better you know act of dealing with them and in terms of like spirituality too man a lot of these farmers you deal with are amish and they're spiritual too so it's just a a bad turnoff when when this ends up happening you know Hmm. so i think in the future alhamdulillah We'll, you know, we'll start spreading the word in a positive manner um, that, you know, these transactions that they do have with the Muslims are, are you know, not only profitable for them too, but we're, we're reliable that we're going to get them the volume in terms of the halal meat that we need. And they're going to get us those, you know, great animals that they've been raising. And it's it's a team. It's a partnership at the end yeah. of the day. Right. right. With, with these business models everywhere in the United States, you know, with 100 percent certainty, I can say right now. The farmers are nowhere near making what they should be making when they do supply to the Muslims. Yeah. In fact, they're making probably 50% of what they should be making. Yeah. Closely. Oh, really? That's how low it is. Yeah. And that's why they're turned off. And wallahi, that's no way to do business with anyone. Um, you know, Even the Prophet said, be fair in your transactions. Be fair in your business dealings. Um, as Muslims, if we're not going to follow the sunnah, then what's the point of you know doing the sunnah? <laughs> what's the point of doing uliya qurbani if you're not going to follow it the proper way? Um, so, and dude, there's so much profit to be made Mm -hmm. for them. And at the same time, have it for these businesses too that deal with them. That's what no one realizes. You know, like, this is kind of a separate discussion, but just farming in America in general could easily be supported by the Muslim community. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, um, because right now, as it is, the way that the, the, the market is kind of pushing all these farmers, it's in the feedlots and it started like, uh, um, you know, like. I don't know if you've seen these big warehouses where they keep all these chickens. I've never seen daylight or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like, no one wants to... If anybody ever saw how these animals are being raised, no, no one would ever want to touch them. Because mm-hmm. they're just so... It's just disgusting. You're literally in, like, a four-by-four four cage, and you just... Right where you're at, you're, you're, you know, you're dumping, and, and, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just not a clean process. You know, to, to the extent that they actually have to, like, modify that, like, the chickens, they'll cut their beaks so they don't peck on each other. It's just a really, like, kind of just a really, like, horrific you know, Experience. standard of practice, but that's the way the industry is pushing people because they want, they've commercialized it so much that they, they need to, to produce the quantity. Right? right. And when you get the quantity, you lose the quality. Mm. Right. But at the same time, 
there are ways to do farming that are like uh, from from an ecological standpoint are like healthy for the for the land and the soil and like um, like properly if you do like pasture management programs and you have that all in place you can actually be very profitable because you're not spending all this money on feed. You know, Mm. part of the problem with some of these animals, when you get them, they, if you put them on grass, they'll actually, they could actually die, which is crazy because it's a ruminant animal. Like for, for example, like, uh, you put a cow on grass that's been in a feedlot its whole life. It could get bloat, which is a type of gas that gets in their stomach. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, you have to monitor that if it, if, you know, sometimes what they'll do is they'll poke a hole in in the side and they'll let that gas out. Or they'll they'll put tubes down their throats to get that gas out, but uh, um, you know that's kind of the that's a that's a big problem. Like you're 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 creating this animal that's never even been on grass before, and the minute that it's it's eating what it was intended to eat, it can't even eat it, right? That's crazy, right? So that's why like you see, I know some places have like grass fed beef and stuff. Yeah. Like that. So that's right. what. Okay. So yeah. I, I, there are a couple different things I wanted to get into. Yeah. I think one of the things is like. I think a lot of people don't even realize, like, okay, what is hand-slaughtered? What is grass-fed? Sure. What do you get in the grocery store? So, yeah. like, um, from from you guys' perspective, I'm sure you guys are probably going through this stage right now where, like, you also have to convince people that this is worth buying into, right? So right. how are you guys approaching that? And then I guess let's start with, actually, what is the difference between, like, what you get in the grocery store that you're not thinking about and then versus, like, the actual process here? I know you guys kind of touched on it here and yeah. there. But, like... Um, for the people that may not be thinking about this at all, like mm-hmm. how do, how should they be thinking about it? Yeah, so it's actually it's actually kind of funny because you go into, I'll just give you a simple example. You go to the grocery store and you see uh, eggs. Everyone gets eggs, right? Mm-hmm. What do you see? On, what 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 eggs are the ones that, that everyone goes for? The brown ones and the one that's uh, um, grass fed, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's been on on it's, it says like veggie fed or something like Organic. that. Organic. Did you yeah? Did you know that chickens are not vegetarians? No, chickens eat bugs they eat protein a lot of a lot of what they're doing when they're going out and scratching around they're looking for worms they're looking mm-hmm. for like bugs to eat and in fact like if you want if you want a really good like chicken egg it needs to have a lot of that protein in it they're like little dinosaurs mm-hmm. right i mean you know these people they've marketed it like there's such a there's such a gap between the cons- the, the the customer and what the farmer is actually doing mm-hmm. that they like if you say something like, oh, it's grass-fed chicken, people just gobble, oh, that, that makes sense. Right. You know, chickens don't eat grass. <laughs> yeah, they eat seeds and stuff like that. Yeah, like, that's that's good. That's supplemental. But they need protein. Like, you know, that's a like that's a huge part of their diet is just going around scratching and eating that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy that, uh, like, people just don't realize these sort of things, right? Even, for example, grass-fed or grass-finished, um, these are, like, some terms that, like, uh, like, people don't actually completely understand. So... For example, sheep and cattle, you can have a grass-fed and a grass uh, like a grass-fed animal, like 100% has been on grass its whole life. That's not a problem. What usually people do at the end is they'll they'll finish them off on grain, so that they can start putting on the extra weight. Because then when they sell it or when they go when they take it to slaughter, the average weight is up. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to give give your animals like grain and stuff like that because you can it'll add on more fat to the to the to the animal, and like that's gonna make it taste a little bit better. But you know at the same time it shouldn't be just a hundred percent you know grain fed or whatever because if you know if it's grain fed it's probably on a lot right. Is grain the feed or is that a separate thing? Too? Grain is the feed. It's okay. usually, it'll be like it could be like crack, like cracked corn. It could be yeah. um, 
and I mean, corn isn't even a natural diet for these guys, mm-hmm. but you also have to think about like the ruminant animal as it's going across, you know, the grass, it could find, you know, maize or whatever it is that uh, like different plants that will eat. But typically cattle and a lot of these ruminant animals like sheep will eat, uh, will eat grass. Mm-hmm. Something like a goat, they're not so good on grass. A lot of people don't know that. They, goats are more browsers. They eat weeds. They'll eat mm-hmm, your tree right. before they eat your grass. Oh, really? Chew yeah. on the bark, yeah. So, yeah, they'll chew up the bark. We, we, we had a tree in the middle of our pasture, and I totally didn't even think about it at first, but then the goats started eating the tree, and I was like, oh, no, I don't want them to eat the tree because if I have that tree there, it provides shade. And right. uh, like it, it, having a tree also retains water in the ground, which is mm-hmm. good for soil, which, which helps more grass grow. So, so we had to fence off the tree so that they don't eat it. Because that's what they eat, you know. They'll eat that stuff. No, you know, people don't realize that, you know, like when it, and that's part, and that's why the price of goat is actually more expensive, mm-hmm. is because you can't just put a goat out onto pasture and expect that it's gonna it's gonna survive because it needs a certain type of, um, you know, diet. weed or diet to to survive, and and so um, you know that's why you have to use grain. Mm-hmm. And now, because of COVID, right, that affects also the prices of grain because now your workers aren't coming, and you you know uh, a lot of these slaughterhouses because they're so um, you know it's it's a whole it's a whole backup like the uh, the animals aren't you know because the the, the workers are getting sick of um, because of COVID they're not showing up to the slaughterhouse meaning animals are getting slaughtered which means that the farmer has to hold on to the animal for longer which means that he's got to feed it more which means that the price of the animal has gone up because he's putting more money into it right. so for him it makes more sense to just kill the animal that's why that like during COVID you saw like these guys were just killing animals and dumping them off to the side. Because they couldn't keep them. They couldn't yeah. afford to keep them. There were so many herd dispersals for farmers just yeah. over the last two years because of COVID and just the amount of support they get, which is literally none. Yeah. Right? So they literally were losing their lifetime like investments, basically, mm-hmm. where their whole herds, they would have to sell them because they couldn't take care of it mm-hmm. at but that point, too. That also shows you how fragile the meat market is that if just one chain of it breaks, these guys have to like... Just kill animals and not even not even sell the meat or anything like that. Right. And it's not like there's consumers who wanted it because a lot of us wanted the meat. We just couldn't find it in the grocery stores. You know, exactly, I would yeah. I would go to look for it and I couldn't find it. Why? Because well, guess what? Your your butcher is not there to to, yeah. to slaughter it, and so because he can't slaughter it, the farmer can't can't afford to keep that animal any longer. He's got to get rid of it, mm-hmm. right? So um, you know, there's there's it's it's a it's a crazy industry, but um, this is why it's so important to to support your local farmer because. Mm-hmm. For him, you know, if he's doing a proper pasture management program, then he doesn't have to worry about, okay, if the if the butcher isn't there tomorrow, no problem. I'll just move him to the next pasture. They're going to start eating grass. They're good, right? Okay. And you're you're getting an animal that's, that's healthy, right? He's been raised on grass, no hormones, right? And a lot of times because they're moving, so because they're moving these animals every single day, you'll see that um, they don't need to give them as much antibiotics or as much like, right. uh, um, like, you know, any sort of medicine or anything like that because a lot of those parasites exist in the feces. Mm -hmm. And so if they're pooping in one area, but then they're moved to the next area, there's no chance of them picking up that parasite again. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times you'll see within these um, these like uh, um, feedlots, they they just automatically assume that this animal is going to get sick, so we're just going to give it medicine. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even need the medicine, we're just going to give it to it. So it's like you're already putting all those medicine, hormones, all these yeah. random sort of things in there because it's such a it's such an unhealthy environment that they just need to make sure that these animals stay alive. Right. You know, so um, 
I know it's kind of a long-winded answer. You were asking about some of the things yeah. that people see in the grocery store. But th- this, these are the things that, you know, if you see, for example, grass-fed, you know that the animal's been out on pasture. That's a great thing. Um, if you see grass-finished, that means that it was eating grains and then they put it on pasture for a little bit and then mm-hmm. they, they then they, they put it in the slaughterhouse. And I forgot exactly what the time period is, but I think it's, it's like a little over a month or 45 days or something right. like that. Um, but the, the interesting thing is that that just makes it more marketable. Grass finished. That's it. Yeah. yeah, like you know, it was in, it yeah. was on the lot for its whole life, and then you put it on on a on a you know piece of grass for a little right. bit, you know, and then you had to then you went to slaughter it just so that people could right. you know make it marketable. Yeah. It's interesting that they have like these labels that serve as like shortcuts or like you can say brands in people's minds, like you know grass fed, whatever grass finished, and like people don't even think about it after that, right? It's just yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, it's, okay, it's grass finished. Okay, must be good. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I think one of the things that you guys probably have to do a lot of is like educate people. So right. How are you guys approaching this? Like, how do you convince people that <laughs> this is actually? So this is where like the it's it's actually really funny because sometimes we are almost getting convinced by people yeah. <laughs> and getting advice. Um, I think people don't really understand this whole process that Ali just gave on the background. Yeah. Um, when they come the day of they think that's like all the knowledge they need to know, right? The age of the animal, how the animal looks and the weight of it. They they have those things down in their head. Now they need to advise us on how to run the processes. But if you look at it, let me break it down in reality of what goes on in each of these places that, that do, you know, um, give these animals for Qurbani and Udhiya to the Muslims. Um, the goat market is growing within the states, okay? Mm. And you can you can you can cater that towards the Muslims, right? A lot of the Muslims are eating goat. Farmers realize, okay, there's a market for meat from goats because of the Muslims because there were so many dealings like this that took place. So with the goats especially, what people don't realize is that these farmers when they're selling them to the Muslims right now towards the Eid, first of all, the prices manipulate right towards Eid because they've kind of caught on over time. Right. And instead of us having partnerships with them, we screwed them basically. So they're like, all right, you know, we'll even, we'll even the playing field. But to get those numbers, you're right, around Eid, a lot of the times the farmers, they won't have like 50 to 100 goats only in their herd, right? What they'll do is they'll source off from different areas, right? And when you do that, and when you have different goats coming from different herds to one area, just because one area knows a lot of Muslims are going to come there and slaughter, Every herd that comes in brings along its diseases with it to that herd. And they all get mixed and they're all held in a short-term facility in short enclosures towards each other all over, feces all over, you know, everything just just in a consolidated area and it gets dirty and that's how diseases get passed. Um, People don't realize that. People don't understand that. Um, Where we come in, me and Ali, you know, first of all, we work with one source, alhamdulillah. And if there are points where, you know, our numbers are not being able to be met for, for the sales that are going in the future, what we do is if we are to look at a different herd or a different source, we do not mix those animals in. There's at least a two-week isolation period, all right? Because if we were to do that, the diseases would just go on with that, right? So, so these are like the small, intricate processes people don't understand. Um, people don't understand. You can't just have them all in one area together, bunched up, and then sell for Qurbani. No. Like you said, going back to the point, perfect your worship, right? These animals are not just uh, 
a product right, that yeah. you're just selling and getting out, you know, at a mass scale. No, this is this is you're at the end of the day you're doing this for Ultia, right? Because animals should be treated properly. So alhamdulillah, we have systems put in place that I think differentiate us from everyone else right now where, you know, our animals are able to freely roam the land that they have, go wherever they want. They're not organized into small spaces. Um, they're not getting mixed in from different herds, right? And alhamdulillah, I think, I don't think there's anyone else and I, I don't want to feel too cocky or anything saying this, but we got a vet on deck that once a week we consult with. So, you know, we we know at this point what the best way is. Um, I think now it's it's the Muslim population that's out there to kind of change that thinking process mm -hmm. and think of this more of as a worship than a business transaction. Yeah, so it sounds like you guys have a lot of things that are differentiated from the competition. Uh, my question is like, in terms of customer acquisition, right? Like, how do you actually get people to sign up with you guys over the person that's I'm sure there's probably like another uncle that's haggling like half <laughs> right, the price. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. How do you get those customers? Um, dude. So, alhamdulillah, I think um, a lot of the word has already gone around. Um, for me and Ali, just being youth workers within the communities, um, there's a reliability that we've you know formed over the years. Mm. But alhamdulillah, the biggest points are you know the conditions of the animals, right? We do not put out any animals on the lot for sale. Um, they have any defects, do not, you know, meet the criteria for Ulthiya, for all the madhabs. Mm -hmm. And the animals that we're putting out, you know, they are for me mm -hmm. at that point. So so we kind of come in right off the bat, those three most important things for an animal for Ulthiya, we take care of, right? The other points that we can go on for hours is the actually the actual maintenance of the animals too. Ali, you know, alhamdulillah, is, uh, is a genius when it comes to these things. Um, so well, anything he puts his mind to, he learns very quick and he's motivated about this. Um, and you can say, wallahi, I can say with certainty, Ali is doing this more from a, a, a service mean or point than he is from a business standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I constantly get reminders from him of how much reward it is that we get from doing it properly. So subhanAllah, money is not, not, not what he thinks that. So he's actually thinking about the, the worship of it. But with this standpoint, I'll let him elaborate the process that he's put into place. He, I think he introduced a bunch of like electronic uh, identification systems, new technological ways that, you know, he's come up with, yeah. alhamdulillah, to, you, to do this different, yeah, different you, ways. You know, just to kind of, <clears throat> kind of like uh, uh, reiterate what, what Hamad is saying is that, you know, like when we started this, we were taking people who've never done it before to kind of revive that sunnah. If you look at it in America, this is a sunnah that's, that's dying. Mm -hmm. The only people that do it are usually the foreigners, right? Um, and me and Hamad, I'm, I mean, I'm, I was born, born, you know, here. Hamad was born overseas, but he's, you know, he was raised here, so he kind of knows, Welcome. you know. Pakistan. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, it's like, you know, and I've mentioned before, it's like, it's not, it's not a, um, you know, for most, most, most of Americans, we just think that the meat comes from the store, right? right yeah. When I was when I was growing up in Seattle, we didn't have any any uh, uh, halal stores or anything like that. So so my dad used to we used to go buy a cow, we would slaughter it, and we would distribute among our families. We'd you know we'd get goat, we would slaughter it, we'd raise them for some time, and then we'd slaughter it. So you know slowly that kind of came in my head, and and uh, um, later on I realized that not everyone does that, you know. Mm. So for us, we wanted to revive the sunnah of being able to go and slaughter the animal, giving people the encouragement that look. Okay, yeah, it's a, it's a scary process. You know, you're, you're taking a life. We'll help you do that. 
we'll help you, you know, with our with with our knowledge um, on on how to handle the animals and do it in a safe, proper way that you can do it. So, like last year was our first. It was like our, it was like a pilot. We only did like forty animals, but we helped out, you know, almost like eight new people do their do their here for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, the year before that, I went to Dar um, Rahma. Uh, and I helped out Sheikh Abdul Karim in his community, and we slaughtered I think twenty two animals together. Mm. So like, um, you know, we really want to revive this sunnah. That's that to me is like the main thing. And I always remind Hamad this that even if we slaughter one animal, we've we've done what we're supposed to do. You know, because this is this is that this is us reviving that sunnah. You know, and and Hamad was mentioned earlier that a lot of people just want to do it back home. Yeah, it's cool. You could do it back home, but at the same time, there are hungry people here. You know, and part of that that Odhiya process is that you give a portion of it to the needy, right? So a lot of times these guys will go to the farm, they'll slaughter the animal, and they'll eat the animal for themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't actually give any of it away. So, like we're working with Muslim Family Services. You know, we we've got a freezer on the on on the site. You slaughter your animal, you take a portion of it, whatever you want to give. We throw it in the freezer, and then they're gonna come pick it up and deliver it to the poor. Mm-hmm. So, right there, you're already fulfilling a big aspect of your your um, your dean, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, when it comes to what distinguishes us, it's this whole spiritual aspect of it. You know, mm-hmm. um, we're helping people revive the sunnah. We're helping people get to a point where they feel comfortable that they can do this on their own. And on top of that, they don't need to know how to skin and gut and do all that other stuff. We have people that will take yeah, care of that for professionals you. Professionals on deck. Yeah. You you can just take your meat and you know we'll, we'll quarter it up for you and you, you're you're good to yeah. go right and you've already you've already donated whatever you need to donate and you're good so that's one oh, aspect wow. so like the, you'll handle the, the distribution stuff yeah we'll handle yeah, distribution wow, for you yep. yeah we're, you're that's, good that, honestly that's like a big headache because like, you, you bring it home you're like okay now I got to figure out like where where can I drop this off and, yeah I mean <laughs> I got I got kind of schooled by Shego Karim for this last year. Or two years ago, um, but I was like, "Hey, do you know any any poor people that I could I could uh, donate some meat to?" And he's like, "A Muslim should know poor people, mm. you know." And that actually really stuck with me because, unfortunately, you know, we we live in you know Troy, we live in Canton, Bloomfield, wherever we live. Sometimes we don't realize that there are actually a lot of needy people around us. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I think we've we've grown up in a society where we're constantly just serving ourselves, and like you know, we go to the masjid, we pray our five daily prayers. We're, and we'll we'll throw our money into you know some Islamic organization that'll donate the money somewhere else. Right. But there are poor people here. Like if you look at the Sahaba, there were such people that wherever they would go, they would they would influence the people around them. Um, they would help the people around them so much so that they would become Muslim. Look at one Sahaba went to China, and now we have millions of Muslims, right? And why? It's because of how he was dealing with them, right? That's that's what that's what you know. People see the Muslim and they're like, "What's different about this person, right? What is it? What is it that's so, um, you know, uh, what's so different about this person that they they're willing to give so much to the poor and the needy and help out people and whatever, right? That's how people become Muslim, right? With those interactions. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if you just think about like, uh, um, you know, how we deal with people, it's just like you know we're. A lot of times we're just so focused on ourselves, what our problems are. You know, uh, if you if you were to really think about it, once we start serving the community, and we're wealthy, we're very wealthy. We're doctors, engineers, lawyers. You know, we're very we're very wealthy, but we don't have any connections within like outside of that. You know, like yeah. um, there's so many needy people that could that could use our services, right? Mm. And so, just make friends. Go talk to people. You know, like. Um, 
like I realized this once I graduated, but once you graduate, you really kind of like you stop interacting with people from the outside, right? Yeah. You just you you, you interact, with, yeah. You just interact with your circles, and and so and khidma is a big aspect of our religion, mm. you know, and we're we're really neglecting that. So, um, just you know, to kind of go go back to to what we were talking about, but you know, that service that we're providing it's, it's a big service right mm-hmm. it's not something small so uh you should definitely know poor people and, and that's something that we should all like you know be comfortable with going and meeting people and maybe it, that means that you go to places where there are poor people maybe you go serve at a soup kitchen or something or you go go somewhere to get to know people you know regardless though um yeah so we offer that service you can basically we'll, we'll, you you drop your meat off and we'll we'll deliver it to the poor people even though technically you should do it yourself but yeah we help you out in that aspect and then on top of that, Hamad was mentioning that um, you know a big problem with this this whole thing is that people go to the farm and they're there for hours. The right. yeah. yeah. And I didn't realize this because you know my dad had taught us how to do it. So as soon as I'd go to the farm and I knew what animal I wanted, I would tell the farmer, "Hey, can I just grab it? I'll take care of myself. I don't exactly. I don't need yeah. anybody to help me." So then I would I take it slaughter in and out you know boom I'm out for one hour you know and then uh, um, you know people are telling me oh I was there for eight hours like why were you there for eight hours you have to wait too long. yeah it's yeah. because they have to wait for the farmer to grab the animal hold it down and then you slaughter it right so um, so then you know I was like come on we we should have time slots right. because if we have time slots then people people will like um, you know like they'll be in and out within an hour it'll be super super quick and efficient. So that was one thing. The other thing was that, okay, now how do you find the animal, mm. right? You got these huge lots. How do you find the animal? So um, that's another thing. A lot of times what people will do is that the day of Eid is the day you buy your animal. Mm. And so if you, you know, first of all, it's a gamble if there's any animals left. Yeah. Second of all, you know, like uh, um, you have to wait in line. Now, if you pre-buy your animal, we've already tagged it for you. You know, you show up to the to the uh, to the to the farm. We've RFID tagged all of those animals, mm. and we basically have antennas. And I've, I did the whole program myself, mm-hmm. so that when when it runs in front of the the antenna, I actually got this idea from my cousin because he was he was telling me some stuff about RFID stuff and and towels and wholesale stuff, whatever. Mm-hmm. But regardless, you know, you know, the animal shows up in front of the antenna. We know exactly which lot it's in. So um, you know, you show up on the farm. And then the ID shows up and then I was, uh, you know, we've got them marked, you know, we spray paint them and then, um, you know, we just tell our handlers, hey, grab, grab this, this, this number mm. and, you know, they'll grab it from, from the spray, spray paint marking. It'll be oh, in this wow. section. And so it's easy for them, right? Like there's yeah. no, there's no issues, really efficient. Um, you know, you're in and out. Uh, and, and I think that in itself is like a big, yeah. a, That's big a big service. Yeah, it's right. a big service. Just right now, the, the whole overall experience of Kurbani Odia. It's it's a hassle. That's what everyone when you think of Qurbani Odhia in the States, within Michigan especially, it's you think of a hassle. I, like, I think of all day gone. All day <laughs> gone. You know, there's gonna be a lot of stress involved. Yeah. So right that's where me and right. Ali, you know, sat down and thought if, of a lot if of I things. Can add one more yeah. one more point. So the other thing is that like I don't know how many animals you've you've handled, but the average consumer doesn't know anything about a goat or a sheep. Right. You know, like <laughs> It's going back to funny stories, you know, we've seen people come and they're like, they're feeling up the yeah, animal like, and they're like, you know, massaging it too, and yeah. doing all these great things. And like, you know, uh, 
you can only tell so much from from that you know like really when you look at the animal you should be able to tell from the structure okay this is a good animal mm-hmm. it's, like, it's like like the, the gloss of the, the fur. you know like it looks good the gloss is good you know like you can maybe check the teeth for the age whatever there's only so much you can te- check but if you're like massaging the animal i don't know what you're looking for you know <laughs> yeah. so uh, uh but the average consumer has no idea what they're looking for that's mm-hmm. where me and hamad come in you know like and I was telling Hamad, I was like, you know, I don't think a lot of people even care to, to um, like, look at the animal. Although you should. Right. It's part of the sunnah to look at the animal and, and see it. Um, and But what we do is once you've picked your animal, we'll take a picture of it and we'll send it to you. That, mm-hmm. Okay, like, you know, say say you book it online. You choose your animal. We, um, you know, maybe 60, 70 pounds, whatever. We, we'll take a picture of it. We'll tag it. And we'll send you a picture. So you get to see it. So it's still kind of fulfill the sunnah in that mm-hmm. regard. But the the reality is that most people just don't know. Like, they don't know what they're looking for. You know, you're an engineer. You've been whatever. You've been in school your whole life. you never even probably seen a sheep other than, right. you know, eat days. So, um, so we take out that hassle for you because all of our animals are good quality, high quality. And we're not going to sell you something that's not, you know, they're, you know we, when we buy, we buy them in lots, right? And mm-hmm. so um, we got one sheep that basically had a broken horn, right? And now I can't sell that to anybody, right. you know, because that's not that's not uh, um, that's not acceptable for for here. But it gives me another opportunity because now I can donate that meat. So I'll find somebody and I'll say, hey, you know, does anybody looking for some animals? Like last year, we had one one ram that we couldn't sell for here. We donated to a masjid, mm. right? And so it kind of opens up opportunities for us because. This is also a part of our religion is that, you know, if you're affected with black magic, you're aff- affected with like, you know, uh, evil eye, whatever, sacrificing an animal can help you, mm-hmm. right? And you, you feed people from that meat, it'll help you. So I'm not saying I can cure magic, but you know, <laughs> I can cure magic, man, you know? So, but these are, these are, these are ways, you know, things that people yeah. can do, you know, like, uh, um, if you want to get extra hasanat for feeding, you know, the poor people, you know, you could just, you, like, I've had people hit me up and be like, hey, um, can I? Can you slaughter an animal and donate it to somebody? Mm. Yeah, I got you. No problem. You know, and so I, I have a list of people that I can hit up. You know, I know people that are in need, and so it takes the hassle away from you, but it also gives gives us the benefit and opportunity to deliver meat directly to people who need it yeah. here in America. Mm. You know, because sometimes people just get so focused on their their country where they're from, they forget there are actually Muslims here who, who could use the meat. Mm. Right. So and you're basically neglecting your neighbor for someone overseas. You know, um, we should be focused on, on the people next door. Right. Yeah. So what I'm getting from like this whole conversation so far is that for people like me on the other side who are just making the purchase, we want the easiest thing possible. What you guys really offer for me is, number one, peace of mind that things are do- being done properly. Yep. And then number two, I'm not going to have any headache. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's going to be done properly yep. the right way. And then. Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. The, the whole the whole structure of it, we're gonna come in and we've completely changed it, right? So before there's when you go to a farmer, there's a bunch of animals, right? You don't know which type of breed of the animal is, if it's for me, if it's for this, if it's this, you don't know which one is healthy, but they're all mixed in. With us, you come, all of them fulfill the Odia requirements, meet the criteria, are healthy animals bred for me. Hmm. Okay? That's number one. Get rid of that stress right there. Now you don't have to choose. The other thing is we've actually moved everything over, you know, a lot of it over to online. So you don't have to come out on the location, right, and pick your animal, go through all these animals and pick. And one of the reasons that is is, man, the animals get stressed out and it's just a headache and people just want to grab on every little thing. They don't know how to grab the animals. Some people will literally, I, I kid you not, grab the leg. 
to try to drag it. And it's a powerful animal. You can imagine how much horsepower it probably has in its leg and it's kicking. It's can, it can break its leg or hurt itself when it's kicking like that and you're just pulling on one mm. on leg. So to get rid of that, we categorize the animals, right? They're all similar animals for meat, meet the OTR requirements by weights, mm. okay? All of the weights have their prices assigned, you know? If you are to go onto the website, buy an animal, within one to two business days, you get an individual uh, picture of your unique, you know, animal. Mm-hmm. And if you're not happy with it, we will exchange it. If you are happy with it, alhamdulillah, goes forward, right? Yeah. So that way you're getting that whole headache out of going there, wasting an hour to pick, and you're getting the animal picture too that you need mm. at that point. So um, can we go through the process? Like if for the people that are interested in doing their idea, right? Like you go on the website, what's the website? Called? Yeah. So the website is www.purenaturalhalal.com. You can just say pretty much. Yeah. Well, yeah. Got, uh, just for any of the folks <laughs> out there. Who types in WWF anymore, right? You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, thought you was going to say like WWF or something. Like, oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, um, it's very simple, honestly. Yeah. Um, you go to the website. Uh-huh. And when you go to the website, there's an area that we have called livestock. Click on the livestock and it shows you what we have. This year, inshallah, we're only doing goats and lambs. And you're able to pick one of the animal type that you want. After that, it opens up the link that you click. Let's say it's goat. And then it'll show the weight, right? And then it'll ask you a couple of questions. And the questions include, will you be slaughtering? Or will we be slaughtering on your behalf? Do you want to donate this meat? You know? And there's a time slot for you to pick. uh, For you to come if you are coming that day. Mm -hmm. So, essentially, you're literally getting rid of, like, the whole stress of having to pick a great animal because they're all good animals, mm. right? They're all great animals. They're already there. And you're getting rid of the the whole day wasted because now you're picking a time slot. You come during that time slot. It's going to be so efficient that our professionals, they, they skin an animal in five to 10 minutes max. Mm. So, right. So the only hard part or the part that's going to take 20 minutes is just grabbing the animal, bringing it to the area where it needs to be slaughtered. After that, you're out. You're out. And I think people don't realize that that how fast it's going to be with the way that we've set it up. And alhamdulillah, they will see after the first year. But I think that's the selling point, you know, that, that really differentiates us from everyone. That you're doing an act of worship in the proper way in such a short time too. So now you can fulfill the other act of worship too, which is on Eid. Family and friends, spend your time. Don't just waste it away. You know, stressing over this stuff yeah. the whole day. We also have like we're gonna have like a bouncy house and a tent. Oh yeah, and right. Yeah, so, so you can bring your family. Yeah, yeah. So we want this to be a spiritual yeah. experience, right? You know, so. you, like you bring your family, let them enjoy, <laughs> sit comfortably. You know, have some food, relax. I was gonna make a joke, bro. It's <laughs> like we're in a bouncy house. It's gonna be a spiritual experience. Yeah. <laughs> like, what kind of spiritual experiences you have in a bouncy Bates house? But um, one of the things. So I guess if I select. That we want you to handle everything. Are you guys just going to give me the meat or I got to go pick it up at a certain time window? How does that work? So we have options on the website right now. Mm -hmm. Um, If you want it delivered, right, you just hit the delivery option. You hit the delivery option. It is an extra charge at that point. Um, Can't break an arm and a leg to get you your meat. Um, But, you know, we have that there for you. And honestly, for people that, that want to learn to do it the proper way, like I don't want them holding back. Like, let us know you want to do it. We have no issue teaching you how to do it the proper way. I mean, there's probably like 
30, 40 guys out there that you know from our youth groups that subhanAllah now can literally put an animal between their legs mm. and slaughter it with one strike and the animal does not feel pain. Mm. Um, so we have no issue teaching you to do it how to the proper way if you want to do it, right? I actually would encourage you to do it. Um, but, you know, it's all set up there for you in an efficient manner. If you want to do it, you know, we will teach you how to do it quick where it's painless for the animal. If you don't want to do it, a professional will take care of it. Mm. Either way, you're in and out within 30 to 45 minutes if you have one animal. This is getting me really excited, honestly. Yeah, yep. yeah man. Just, we're make, trying to make this as easy as possible. Obviously, we, we don't want to encourage people to just do a delivery. So it's not like, because again, right. you're missing out on the whole right. spiritual aspect of it. But we offer that service because there are some people who just, you They're know, working, can't make, working, it, can't make yeah. it, whatever, you know. So it should be convenient. So, yeah. um, Anything else you guys want to get into uh not really man other than ali can have something but for me my final words are just keep us in your du'as man um i one of the biggest reasons i you know partnered up with ali to do this was i hated seeing over the years and i'm talking i probably saw thousands of animals just not being um kept the right way and maintained the right way and even when it came to day of slaughtering to to go through those conditions first of all for like three four weeks that these farmers grabbed them for the muslims to put them in those small areas, consolidate them, and then on the day of Qurbani to put them even through more pain. Um, that was one thing that, that really rubbed me the wrong way. And, um, you know, we want to make it a point that, you know, this this needs to be cleared out and we need to do it this the proper way. Hmm. So when you when you do something the proper way, there's more khushu in it too, right? right when you right. perfect your, your prayer, when you start to not think about all these worldly right, things during yeah. your prayer, it feels better, right? So you'll feel much better if you're doing it the proper way. I mean, there's many a times where like in my head, I've seen someone do something and Ali knows I don't bite my tongue. I just go, man, that, that korban did not count. <laughs> like straight up to the guy. Like, you know, there were times where, where I kid you not, going back to a funny story, someone one year, literally wanted to slaughter Ahmed. And when he went to slaughter, he slaughtered it like this. His head was looking <laughs> the opposite way and his arm was extending out with the knife. So so you know, let's let's do it the proper way. Let's let's perfect this, you know, act of worship and uh you know keep us all in your du'as and uh let's work together with the farmers too. Well, one thing uh sorry to just cut you off here. I wanted to can we get into the back end a little bit? Uh sure. just like a couple things I wanted to ask is how many people do you guys have that are kind of running this operation? I know there's you two, right, mm -hmm. that are kind of like the on top. And then how, you guys probably have butchers. You guys have, like, who's managing once the orders come in, organizing all that? And, so it's a, it's a actually, there's, you know, yeah. me and Hamad are kind of like obviously the heads of it. Uh -huh. But first, you know, we have like a ton of people who just kind of came came together. We probably should have mentioned this earlier, but they're... There are, mashallah, like a lot of our, our youth group, a lot of our friends came through and kind of helped us. Um, one of the cool things about our farm is that each one of those posts is actually de uh, has a family name written on it. Yeah. And so each, each one of those posts. Each, so, yeah. Each post that basically holds the animals oh, has okay. has a family written, name written on it. Right. Because, again, this is a spiritual aspect for us. Right. That inshallah, every, you know, for every hair. You know, you get uh, rewarded for right. You get you get your sins forgiven. So, um, f every family, inshallah, we're we're hoping that inshallah, Allah Subhanahu will for, for also forgive them and on the, on the day of judgment, mm -hmm. Allah will put this on their on their on their skill as well. That we slaughtered all these animals and we did it for the sake of Allah Subhanahu Then inshallah, Allah will also add that to their skill. So, mm -hmm. so we have a lot of families. Our teachers are written on there. You know. Um, so again, it's like a very it's a very spiritual aspect. So, um, all of our helpers. 
right? Everyone that helped us, they all have their own posts. Um, a lot of my youth group, you know, a lot of those guys like Shahir and Munir, those those two guys were there in the beginning helping yeah. me dig, dig Sibi. posts. Yeah, Sibi. Sibi you know, a, lot of, a lot of these guys were coming through. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they helped us, um, you know, dig those posts and put them in. Um, and, you know, especially even coming up, coming coming together and getting the, the, the fencing, there's a whole science behind it. It's not just mm-hmm. a, you know, you don't just put posts yeah. on the ground. It has to be sturdy, you know? Yeah. So, um you know, we have we have those all those volunteers, mashallah, that helped us. And then on top of that, yeah, we have our butchers. Um, we have you know one person who's kind of in in charge of all of the butchers that we were working with, and he's bringing his whole squad to to help us. Um, Uncle Jabril, he's like a, he's like a, an OG in the in the Detroit community for yeah, teaching all these guys on how yep. to butcher. Yeah. Um, and mashallah, man, that guy's amazing. Like I, I have a lot of love and respect for him. Um, he has a, and and that was one thing that when we were going into this that you know I wanted to find a a butcher who kind of understood the value of life and and mm-hmm. and because you know a lot of times when you're doing this you know especially for the butcher it's just another life right you know you're just slaughtering you're just kind of going through so when I talked to Uncle Jabril and we had like a, a long, lengthy conversation uh, you know Uncle Jabril really like you know he he, he really like put it in perspective that, you know, th- no, these are, these are like real living beings, you know? Right. So that was like a, it was a really beautiful thing that, that, uh, yeah. you know, that conversation with them. So yeah, we have our butchers and then, um, on the day of, we have our handlers, you know, they're the ones who go and grab the animals. And then Hamad and I personally are there to help you actually slaughter the animal. Mm. So we have a technique that we use to, to help people slaughter because we've seen people lose fingers and stuff. Oh, really? So, so one is we have chain mill gloves that that's like one added, protected protect protection right the other thing is that when you're holding the animal a lot of times what happens is people f- kind of forget where everyone's hands are mm. right so i make sure that the person who's slaughtering he's his hand is on top of my hand mm. because then that way he knows okay my hand is here i don't want to cut that so i'm gonna go this way right so automatically i'm safe and he's safe mm. right so there's a whole there's a whole technique to it yeah. we you know uh someone else is holding on the animal someone else yeah. is kind of helping don't, don't give away all of our secrets man <laughs> no, no, no. stay differentiated but here. uh <laughs> but yeah you know like uh bro if i, if I could save some fingers i think we're good right so but, but you know regardless we have you know we have a whole yeah, process it, in place it, you come up you know and, and from from top to down sorry to cut you off ali from top to down if you're asking like from the operation standpoint so from top to down if you were to look at it with our business model right um i would say in terms of the like the knowledge base and internal structure, you know, Ali kind of takes that over. Then I come in on the marketing sales side and just, you know, making contacts and stuff like that, that we take over. We work with one source, alhamdulillah, um, very reliable, um, you know, and uh, that's where we source our animals from. And then we have a veterinarian that we consult with. We have handlers on the day of, and then we have skilled professionals who, who skin and butch, just to mm-hmm. kind of give you a summary. And so, you know, one thing I totally forgot to mention, but there were like, man, like, you know, obviously when you do the work of Allah, Allah SWT makes things easy, right? Yeah. But like, subhanAllah, there were like so many things that happened in a way that yeah. just put all this together very easily for us, man. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine, first of all, trying to find a place to, to slaughter, right? Uh, so we're looking for land. We were going, we were looking for different places, whatever. Zoned. And then we found a spot that's connected to the masjid. Like out of mm. all the places, you know, zoning. You have to figure out the zoning, zoning stuff, right? So out of all the places, we found a place. Not only is it zoned for for this sort of t- this type of work, but it's also literally the the land connects with the masjid. So that's like that in itself was huge, right? Mm. Then on top of that, you know, we're having all these kids come in and do this work. You know, um, some of the some of the kids were bringing their non-Muslim friends. One of them took a shahada on the farm. Oh, 
Yeah, awesome. you know, Spend. and then um, then there was like a, a, you know while we were working there, um, you know, one day I go to the farm and there's all these vegetables that just randomly sprouted out of nowhere really yeah and so um you know i called the the um the like the owner uh and he was like i was like yo like have you ever seen any um what's it called like anything like this before and so he's like no i've never we've never planted anything on this on this property so i was like wow subhanallah man like that that in itself is a sign itself that like the the land is fertile like Mm. where where did all these vegetables come from i'm talking like squash pumpkin huge like Mm. huge pieces of so i took a bunch of them i like donated them to people and just gave them gave them to people and stuff so like you know there was just so many things you know like uh um you know even just like how Hamad like finding these contexts for for farming and stuff like where do you begin to look mm. right um, where do you find uh, like a farmer who can supply you know 500 animals you know it's not it's not easy to find mm. but like subhanallah just things were just coming so easily things that, that that should have taken us like you know I was telling Hamad I was like listen we literally have to just drive around and we have to start finding farmers to see if we can get them but subhanallah like things just just fell into our laps mm. right like and um like I'm not, it just it, it just got really like Allah made everything super easy like yeah. mm-hmm. just kind of like like fell into our plate it honestly like something like this it should have taken us years to put together but I'm not like it like I said Allah just and these are just some stories I mentioned yeah. I'm not there's even a bunch, there's a bunch yeah. of them like it this. just yeah. it just goes back to the yeah. point of like you know Ali really really you know puts this down hammers this down that that it's an act of worship right it's a service so mm-hmm. if you're doing something for the sake of Allah you know he's gonna make it happen for you no matter what you have mm-hmm. in your head and we constantly actually remind each other of this even yesterday you know we had a conversation about this where it was like just if there's any stress about it let it go whatever comes you know it was meant to be and whatever doesn't come it wasn't meant to be and you'll learn from it and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to learn from it so I think that's the biggest thing right here, right? Um, as we are doing this this deed, right? This 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 perfecting of the sunnah within the states in Michigan, making something that's a normal thing for for the normal everyday Muslim here. Um, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is making it easier for us day by day. And Wallahi, like if we were to actually write down the numbers of things or the dates that things happened, or even the dreams that Ali and me had, <laughs> yeah. um, or the things that happened on the property before everything, you know came together um you would be amazed yeah. you'd be amazed maybe netflix needs to pick up pick us up for a documentary <laughs> or something. yeah could be the next meteor yeah right? last thing i did want to ask is um do you guys i mean i know you guys have operational costs but are you guys spending any money on marketing it sounds like everything is word of mouth right now um in terms of marketing man like uh like anytime i tell people that like oh i need flyers made there's there's one uh, and auntie I usually go to her she she works for Dazzle Printing she like uh, she, like I told her I said hey like you know I'm making this because I usually go to her to get flyers for the masjid anyways mm-hmm. I told her this is this is from my business like this is separate from the masjid completely like uh, I'm willing to pay for it she's like don't worry about it I'll print, I'll print for free so like you know marketing yeah. costs like uh, um, really it's been we don't we don't really have any yeah we really haven't had any I mean we don't the only thing you guys have done outside of word of mouth it sounds like is flyers 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 and then we have social media yeah we have a newsletter people signed up we put it up in uh, yeah we have a newsletter ourselves we also I mean I sent it to to some of the mazes and they put it in their own Mm. e-blast I don't think they typically do that for regular businesses but because I guess it's more of a service Mm -hmm. for Muslims that they've they've kind of taken that on so 
So um, how can people, uh, so I know we talked about the website. Is mm-hmm. there any other place where you would like to direct people, like the newsletter yeah. or anything like that? Of course, yeah. The newsletter is one. You know, yeah. you can go on the website and uh, sign up on it. It is www.purenaturallaw.com. <laughs> but the other thing is um, me and Ali, you know, in, in part of thinking about how we can reach out to the communities and to the normal everyday Muslim in perfecting the sunnah is um, we have an Instagram page at Pure Natural Halal and we are actually going to be posting videos going into the future like educational vid- videos um, on livestock and just everything forward within the process so people are more informed right, right? and the more people get informed the more they'll want to fulfill that exactly. sunnah yeah. properly and um, honestly we have never been scared about marketing or you know spending money on marketing or doing all of this because at the end of the day just the way everything's falling into place you know with all this one taking care of us i think when people realize and see look these animals are never in pain they're in good conditions they're proper animals then they're being slaughtered the proper way it takes only 45 minutes hmm. you know there's 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 um parts set up to donate it to different areas of the community. They can do delivery. All these things are easy. It's a hassle-free experience. It'll sell for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. But but for now, word of mouth has been great. And all of, you know, a lot of uh, um, our teachers, you know, in the communities, they've 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 done a lot for us too. Like Sheikh Masmari, Mufti Abdul, uh, Mufti Abdul Rahman, Mufti Abdul Wahab, Sheikh Abdul Aziz, Mulana Abdullah, Mufti Rabani, um, Sheikh Ahmed. And um, man, these guys really have our backs too. Where yeah, Mufti Wahaj. They trust like, us. Yeah, Imam Wahaj. Yeah, we we basically like did uh, we consulted like many different ulama before we started, mm-hmm. um, just so that we could like understand the actual proper fiqh of of even understanding how to do this. So we consulted like you know a sheikh from the Maliki fiqh, a sheikh from the you know Shafi fiqh, a uh, sheikh from the Hanafi fiqh, and just kind of went through like okay, what what are the different uh, what what sort of animals acceptable? So if someone comes to me and says, hey, I'm Maliki, what you know what what do I you know what animal can I slaughter? Mm-hmm. Then I can tell him okay, you know this. Is how this animal should be or this is how the animal should be or let me let me call someone and ask them is this animal acceptable or not so um it was a big learning process for ourselves um just to just to understand that but uh um yeah man it's been a big learning experience this whole thing and and like uh really learned a lot and i still feel like we're just kind of scratching the surface Mm. there's you know there's there's a lot of things that like i've been thinking about and every day i'm telling like i tell him i like we should write down all these ideas that we have you know because you know one thing is like you know educating people and showing videos but also providing services where people can come onto the farm and say say you know i want to get to a point where we could have like a lecture about you know the um uh the benefits of doing the odhia and the rights of Hajj or whatever, and then um, you know people go and select their animal afterwards. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um, and turn it into like a really like uh, like a spiritual event where people could come and pick their animals and learn about their deen and whatnot. Mm. You know, that's where I want to get to. Is that uh, eventually we can do things like that? But that's kind of down the road. We're good. we're working on it, inshallah. Mm. Um, and you know we're, we're looking for the Muslim community to support us. And no, they've so far they've come through. You know. Um, it's funny because you know you're talking about marketing, and I was like worried, like, look, you know, like, uh, are we gonna, you know, should we, should we be putting out Facebook ads? Should we put it out like these sort of things? And um, look, I just wanted to kind of test the water and see how I was going. It's like, dude, like, you know, every day my phone is just blowing up. Hey, you got lambs. Hey, you got goats. You got this. You got this. But yeah, I'm not. You know, like, it's been, it's been, you know, good. Alhamdulillah has been really good, good and kind to us, even though. Honestly, it's not like we've done anything special, right? There are people who are probably like really like doing like really heavy work of deen. Yeah. Um, we're just offering, you know, one small service and, and we're just trying to make it easy for Muslims and Alhamdulillah has been good to us. 
Alhamdulillah. Thank you guys so much for coming on. It's been uh, super exciting. Yeah. Uh, for, for hosting us. Yeah, I'll put all the links in the description. And, uh, you know, I, I think I'm going to do it through you guys this year. Inshallah, well. yeah, so, yeah, come through. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, after after our Eid, inshallah, we're also going to be offering meat throughout the year. Mm. So, um, you know, if anyone's interested, again, they can just go through the Pure Natural website and uh, we'll we'll get you connected and get, get your food delivered to you. Awesome. <laughs> Now, as always, I have my key takeaways from this episode. But before we get into that, I want to share a clip with you from our discussion with Zain Siddiqui on branding a coffee shop. It's like just being invested in what uh, you know people are talking to you about. It, you know, it goes a long way, and people really like that, and that helps with uh, with reviews because they they think you're friendly, they think you know you're you're great to talk to. Uh, they feel like they feel comfortable in the space, regardless of whatever you know the individual's views might be or whatever it could if you enjoyed this discussion i'm sure you'll also enjoy the discussion with zane check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast it is episode number 38 now here are my key takeaways number one the best way to differentiate yourself is to solve a problem that no one else is solving and here's a spoiler here if no one else is really solving it chances are it's because it's very hard to solve it and number two, don't underestimate the role of experience. Ali and Muhammad have been doing this for years before they officially started a business. This allows them to really hit the ground running. And that is all for this episode. If you enjoyed this discussion, please consider leaving a review and sharing with a friend. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.